Hello everyone, a big welcome to Cargoholic, the ultimate logistics podcast. On Cargoholic, we discuss the journeys of leaders in logistics and the disruptions which the industry is seeing today and will witness tomorrow. A big welcome to Cargoholic, the ultimate logistics podcast. This is season two of Cargoholic and today we're delighted to share with you that we have Mr. Glenn Hughes, the global head of cargo of IETA joining us. And Mr. Glenn has been in this industry since over 30 years with IETA since 1991 and has risen through the ranks to today be the most influential voice in the air freight industry. Mr. Glenn has been influencing different policies in under the air freight segment related to security, technology and stakeholder satisfaction. He is also extremely interested to develop young professionals in this industry and invests a large amount of time training and bringing new professionals into the logistics industry. Mr. Glenn, it is our pleasure and delighted to welcome you on Cargoholic. Thank you very much for the invitation. I uh, look forward to discussing a number of topics with you today. Likewise, thank you. So uh, for all our listeners who are in the young professionals in the logistics space, who are startups and professionals in the current set of stakeholders that we have, would you want to throw some light on which are those core technology initiatives which are being executed by IATA in the next three to five years? It could be, uh, we, we read a lot on the web, but which ones would be high priority in your perspective? Great. Well, I think that's a great place to start. Um, and, and really what we believe is a very exciting five years for the air cargo industry. Um, this industry is a, is a proud industry that has a history of over a hundred and some odd years uh, worth of servicing the global community. And it's really in the uh, last couple of years, the pace of change has accelerated dramatically, um, <clears throat> starting with the expectations of the shippers, the consumers, the regulatory authorities, the transport providers, and everybody involved in the supply chain. And historically, this industry has been very much about moving pieces of paper around with moving the freight around. And I think everybody universally recognizes that that is no longer acceptable in, in order to provide the services, um, the level of transparency and the level of um, sophisticated solutions that the industry needs to provide. You can't do that with paper-based systems. So over the next five years, we would expect to see a significant number of changes in the entire digitalization of the air cargo industry starting from the very first interaction between the freight forwarder and the shipper through to the interactions between the freight forwarder and the carrier, between the carriers and the ground handlers, between the carriers and the customs authorities and the regulatory agencies, between the regulatory agencies' origin and the regulatory agencies at destination, again, with freight when it arrives, between the carrier and the ground handler, and the ultimate customer is collecting the freight. So in the notion that digitalization is going to have to be touching every area of the supply chain, where do we specifically see technology developments? Um, well, I've listed just a few of these which I can talk about. The first is the need to actually have a complete mind shift change between how we use data. Historically, we've waited till we have all the information, as I say, put it on a piece of paper and move it through. The way the industry needs to react and think about data going forward is in blocks of information. 
when I have little bits of information that you may need as a partner in the supply chain, I should be able to share it with you in a very transparent and a very um, simplified fashion through data sharing platforms. Equally, when you have information that needs to be presented and provided to another party, you also, as my partner, need to be able to have those same mechanisms at your disposal. So we're very much seeing in the next five years the industry moving to a far greater reliance on data sharing platforms and digitalized chunks of information rather than blocks of information which we've historically uh, been relying upon. So that's one major initiative and that's going to require a significant mind shift change as well. Second area is how we use the information for quality management system or systems. As freight moves through the supply chain, there's data points at almost every transactional change when the freight is handed over from one party to another party or when it moves into a warehouse or out of a warehouse or onto the ramp or off airport or on airport uh, or to third party holding centers, etc. So we're actually needing as an industry to have far more precise measurements as, when, as to when these things occur and when they should occur and to identify when something hasn't occurred according to the plan and to be able to take reactive and more importantly proactive measures to ensure that the cargo is transported and delivered when it had been promised to the um, contracting customer. So we're seeing a lot more developments on quality management systems we have a program here called Cargo IQ, which is very much about taking information stage gates throughout the journey and then converting those into intelligence based on uh, milestones and route maps and coming up with a quality measurement for every shipment that's being measured. We also see a much, much greater focus on automation in the warehousing and ground handling facilities. Historically, you go into a warehouse and you had forklift trucks and many, 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 many people walking around moving boxes, um, you know, moving pieces of paper, and that is inefficient. It is also something which is becoming increasingly more difficult to actually uh, attract and retain good staff in the warehouse because there's so many competing industries. So we're, we certainly see over the next five years a much greater reliance on automation in the warehouse. Um, and together with that automation, leveraging the Internet of Things and 5G technology to very much see that the cargo, which historically has, has neither had a voice nor feet, it couldn't move itself and it couldn't talk for itself, but through the use of data sensors, you can actually give uh, a consignment of cargo a voice. It can actually start assessing its own surroundings and communicating to the required parties if it's getting too hot, if it needs to move into a cool facility, or if it knows it should have been on a plane and it's still sitting on the tarmac. So the cargo itself is going to start to get more intelligent as we go forward. And of course, we can't not talk about technology without talking about security, securitization of the information. So for example, we see um, potential uh, advantage for blockchain type of solutions going forward. And of course, Anything that's going to protect the information requires very strong cybersecurity um, governance and controls in place. So we see quite an exciting time over the coming years for, for tech initiatives. Great. Uh, thank you so much uh, for this uh, summary uh, digest around data sharing becoming one of the key opportunities for stakeholders, the quality management systems that you mentioned about. and 
and of course a bunch of uh, initiatives around automation in different sub segments that's great to know one uh, component to take for our conversation forward to around data sharing blockchain as a technology is one that is being uh, let's, let's say everyone's extremely optimistic about how easily it's going to change and add value to the entire ecosystem all the stakeholders now while we have theoretically understood that blockchain can make a true difference and in the ocean freight segment we have several joint ventures and initiatives on do you think that the blockchain application is going to start adding value to the overall ecosystem within a period of 3 years the core reason for asking this is blockchain depends on robustness and an involvement of each and every stakeholder into that particular technology so till the time that we do not have the stakeholders who are tech ready who have api ready erps would blockchain applications really be able to make the difference that on paper appears uh, to be uh, something that's a given uh, what's the sort of timeline that you foresee on adoption of blockchain applications and its use and its value to all the stakeholders um again a very good question um, we are um studying blockchain very seriously as I guess most people are um I mean it, it came up with a bang in terms of how it could actually could actually be used cryptocurrencies was its introduction to the world but it's gone kind of beyond that now um and very much looking at its Uh, the potential application in far wider uh, application or areas where as you say you need to secure information and reliable information and trusted information and as you mentioned there's a number of uh, initiatives i think Maersk and IBM on the ocean side is one that we're looking uh, very closely at to see uh, if the benefits that they anticipate being provided but the real challenge and i think you actually raised it in your question there which is any technology for it to be fully successful in a complex environment or in a complex ecosystem requires all the parties to be on a common or with a common mindset and with a common application and with a common approach and i think this is one of the biggest challenges that we're going to have to any new technology coming into the air cargo environment or logistics space in particular is because of the sheer complexity that exists in this particular space if you think about the passenger world very simple in terms of the technology environment because it's about an airline putting a product out there it has travel agents and airports as its main distribution and interface partners and it has an educated customer i the, the traveling public us as humans who we can then interact with whether or not through websites or through smartphones or even through the telephone if needs be or through kiosks whatever it is we're actually able to interact with the predominance of technology provided by the main carriers when you come to the cargo space because you have border management authorities you've got customs you've got security agencies you've got um sanitary agencies you've got animal welfare centers you've got revenue taxation um you've got then all the different suppliers trucking companies forwarders shippers ground handlers uh, origin and destination in order for something to be universally embraced such as blockchain which as you say you can't just do it with one party you need multiple parties i think that is the challenge and to be honest i think the 3 year time frame is quite quite ambitious um i would anticipate personally that we we would need to probably look more at the closer to the 3 to 5 year time frame before we start seeing some mainstream applications or solutions being implemented i think what we'll see before then is a number of pioneers working in small ecosystems 
almost doing live trials and pioneering type of proof of concepts, um, but I would anticipate wide stream applications would not exist or will not be prevalent between the, or until maybe three to five years out. And when we speak of blockchain, in at least ocean freight specifically, because of the long durations of transit, it, there is a humongous value that instant access to information can bring. In air freight, comparatively, there are limited product segments which would benefit from saving those few extra hours of having, let's say, non-real-time data. So, which sub-segments and what type of use cases of blockchain are, are you all exploring uh, and, and you foresee would truly add value to the air freight ecosystem purely because of quick transit times and already greater let's say maturity in terms of technology in comparison to the ocean freight industry. Yeah, exactly, and I think the other difference is ocean, ocean freight industry, you have the, the, the bin of lading and the entitlement of goods. Mm -hmm. So you need to secure the information so that you can't have, as it were, a custodial challenge. Um, I think, to be honest, it's still a little bit too early for us to come up with very specific use cases going forward. Um, but we would certainly anticipate that the area where blockchain could have a lot of significant benefits is where the information needs to be 100% relied upon. And of course, that immediately brings in the notion of security. When freight is made secure, you want to be able to rely on the fact that freight that's secured upstream continues to be, um, or that security continues to be um, highly, as it were, relied upon throughout the supply chain. So if you can use blockchain to confirm the integrity of the security of the system of a of shipment, then I think that is one very strong and very um, potentially advantageous area of, of something like blockchain or any other type of application or system which can certify the information as being true and accurate throughout the time and not tempered with. Um, we're also looking, to be honest, at blockchain when it comes to fueling aircraft, so neither cargo nor passenger environment. But when you fuel an aircraft, you need to know exactly how much fuel has gone into the plane so that later on when you can reconcile that information, you both have the pilot that asked for the fuel and you have the fueling company relying upon a common truth, as it were, of exactly how much fuel went in. So you can link a blockchain type of application with fuel pumps going through and uh, fuel records. So there are a number of different applications in the aviation sector, which I think have some, some potential good application in this area. Uh, very interesting to know that reconciliation of fuel would also be a beautiful use case for blockchain already. Uh, that, that's very interesting to know. To move forward to another stakeholder of the ecosystem, which is freight forwarders. Now, since years, there have been talks about how the role of a freight forwarder is diminishing. Banks are offering the sort of credits that are required and carriers now want to deal with shippers directly. At least in the air freight industry, we have very few use cases and an example so far of carriers at scale approaching shippers directly. It would always be tri-party agreements and so on. Moving forward, since there is going to be such transparency, what do you think the role of a freight forwarder will be in the air freight industry in at least the vanilla commodity shipments? Wherever there is value to be added, we know of the freight forwarders who will continue to to be of great value to a shipper. But for the vanilla commodity movements, uh, how do you see the freight forwarders role evolving and will there be a role at all in the next three years or five? 
I have to be honest, I'm a very pro-free forwarder um, person, which sometimes is surprising considering I'm a, an association which theoretically is, is with the airline, so you could say that the two in part of your question sometimes look at each other's space and overlap a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I think the role of the freight forwarder is, is excellent. I think they need to evolve, as did IATA need to evolve, as the carriers need to evolve. You know, the one thing that um, you can say about the air cargo industry, for an industry, as I mentioned earlier, that's over 100 years old, is it has evolved with the times. As the global manufacturing environment took off, the freight forwarders were there with innovative solutions, working with global manufacturers to basically come up with very efficient supply chains using, using ocean, rail, air, whatever was required to provide the great logistical services that global manufacturers needed. Now global manufacturers need different things. They need just-in-time supply chains to fuel production lines with source, uh, source components of raw materials without having heavy inventory costs. They need highly sophisticated supply chains with new type of commodities such as pharmaceuticals which require temperature control throughout the, uh, the transportation process. Uh, they have a, a greater reliance or greater need for perishables such as foodstuffs and fresh flowers um, which are more and more are being transported around the world. So, and, and that doesn't even touch e-commerce which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later on. So I think the freight forwarder, if, he, if a freight forwarder basically says the industry is going to be the same for the next 50 years, I don't think they'll stay in business. If a freight forwarder says, I've been successful for the last 50 years and I keep doing what I need to keep doing, I don't think they'll stay in business. But if a freight forwarder says, the world is changing and I need to change with the world, I think they have a fantastic future. Um, you, you talk about vanilla commodity type of air freight shipments, I think those are reducing and I think the number of shipments w which require either special handling or special process, i.e. they time time required or, or time definite solutions, or because they're very large, or because they are coming from multiple areas such as e-commerce and going to multiple um, consumers at the end. I think the role of, of freight forwarders will evolve dramatically, but I'm a firm believer that they have a great role in the in the future, provided they evolve. Great, uh, that's good to know. Similarly, you, you mentioned about e-commerce as a sub-segment. From the mass media, we are hearing phenomenal amount of growth in new countries as well, in countries where e-commerce is new as well. And in, in those nations, like most nations across the world, the role of air freight in e-commerce is, is tremendous. And as a segment of commodities which are moving, e-commerce would be a very high growth segment. Now, the mass media, of course, is, is used to showing that e-commerce is booming and, and it's great news. But which are the other sub-segments of commodities which have gone unnoticed when reviewed in a silo? It's growing at a phenomenal percent year on year. And you have great hopes of that becoming a much larger chunk in the future. Which sort of segments would those be which are non-e-commerce? Yes. Um, well, I think that, again, this is a fantastic time for air cargo in general because if we look at e-commerce, e-commerce is still the majority being transported in mail um, in terms of the cross-border and the vast majority of e-commerce is still domestic. China for Singles Day, we saw just a couple of weeks ago, was what surpassed $50 billion, which is two of the main um, websites in one day's worth of sales, which is huge. Most of that was domestic. Um, total e-commerce, we, we are still calculating at, at single digit of total retail trade, which shows there is a significant amount of growth left to uh, you know, ahead of us. Um, but running in parallel to, to this is we're seeing 
growth in almost every sector. We're seeing growth in uh, fast fashion. We're seeing growth in um, pharmaceuticals. We're seeing growth in perishables. We're seeing growth in automotive parts. We're seeing growth in high-tech electronics. Um, we're seeing growth in almost every commodity type that's actually transported by air. And what's really fueling this this growth in all these sectors is the fact that the global economy, um, you know, right now or the last 12 months, there's been some sad situations where you have some trade wars that that may start to impact on the global economic picture. But putting that to one side, the run up to that, we were seeing strong consumer confidence in Europe, in China, in the US, and the developing markets. Brazil had returned to growth. Japan had returned to growth. So you were having situations that the major consumer markets around the world had very strong consumer activity. Well, consumer confidence is high, coupled with the fact that you've got every year another 50 million people in India and China and Indonesia and Malaysia alone, 50 million more affluent middle class joining the consumption ranks. That means that there are more people consuming. We're living longer, therefore we're relying more on healthcare. We're also buying more as we live longer. Um, so the global picture for commodities in general and for international trade has been very good over the last two to three years, which we've seen in the sense of why air cargo has actually been growing dramatically. So we're still very uh, buoyant and very positive and very bullish on all of these sectors continuing to grow. Fast fashions, you know, if you look at the speed now of which you can see fashion icons wearing something and being photographed today and being scanned and shown throughout the world through social the speed of social media. And now you have fashion houses um, such as those under the Inditex brand of Zara and uh, Masper Duty, just to name just two, who are then being able to translate today's fashion trends which you see on, on social media into high street and actually online for sale um, fashion within a matter of weeks, which is from design, production, distribution. Then air cargo is absolutely at the core of that, and and that's why I think it's it's so tremendous to see this this rapidly evolving world, which is being fueled by the next generation of consumers. Fair. Uh, thank you for that. And like you mentioned, e-commerce being a just a behavior change on the consumer side, which is creating a tremendous opportunity for air freight. One trade-off that technology companies uh, and the e-commerce subsegment has is to do with cargo security. Now, there are a bunch of startups of technology companies who are attempting to make booking of freight very simple. On a website like flight tickets for passengers, we go online and book freight. Now, when we experience from a consumer standpoint, the, the experience of wanting to book freight very easily and very conveniently, the trade-offs come at KYC, at lack of KYC, at not uh, doing the thorough check because you as a technology company want, want revenue and want quick growth. So there are corners which are cut which directly impact cargo security. For electronic platforms, there are laws which regulate data protection but no cargo related related laws or guidelines that electronic booking platforms have yet from IATA or any other body so do you foresee that electronic platforms in general would have a set of guidelines that IATA would issue and would would, would it be different from the regular 
laws and guidelines that we otherwise follow or or do you think those will be specifically tailor-made for this type of a business what, what is your take right well, well first of all IATA wouldn't really come up we're not a regulatory body so we don't establish the regulations and don't as it were um, ensure compliance but the and, and you mentioned there and again I'm going to do a comparison to the passenger world on the passenger world it's very easy to do like an Expedia or a, a Kayak or even Google Travel an online booking platform that's connected with the airline systems through effective APIs or efficient APIs they can get available the information and they can make booking very transparent and very simplified and very um, comparative for the consumer us now the difference between passenger and cargo is that on the passenger side we as the traveling public are then responsible for transportation compliance i.e we need to know or we know that we need a passport we may need a visa we need may need to present certain uh, documents at the time we're actually making a border crossing we know how what, what we can pack in our suitcase or what we can't pack in our suitcases so compliance is really down to us as the individual um, and it's not really something that the booking platform needs to necessarily do now on the cargo side it's much more difficult in the sense that the compliance is down to a commodity level. So if you're making a, uh, a booking engine available, and, and let's say even related to e-commerce, uh, if I'm a small independent retailer or manufacturer myself sitting in somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and I might manufacture electronic uh, gadgets that may be powered by lithium batteries, and now there's an e-commerce e booking platform which allows the whole world to buy my products, and it is connected and they can actually book a space on the carrier as well. I, as the shipper, need to be fully cognizant of all of the international regulations about shipping my product. And that is the challenge that the booking platforms have, is that they need to be able to ensure that all of the people that they are making available, i.e. the shippers, direct shippers or manufacturers, whoever it is, um, need to have access to what those international regulations are. ICAO is the International Civil Aviation Organization based in, uh, in Canada, in Montreal. That establishes what can safely be transported uh, on air. Again, I use the lithium battery situation is that there's lots of regulations about what can be contained in a product, in an appliance, the power of those batteries, the level of charge that those batteries must have or cannot be above when they're being transported. They can't be transported above 30% uh, charged. Um, you can't ship more than a small number of lithium batteries in a um, package together without appliance. Then it has to go on freighter only aircraft. So there's a lot of regulations. And this is one thing that we advise booking platforms when they're purchased or any technology provider is that they need to ensure that whoever is using their systems is aware of the obligations that they are under um, when it comes to shipping things um, because and it's and it's not just security it's also safety so safety and security are very much linked together um, people think it's just about making an advanced declaration that is a component of it but it's also about the packaging the labeling the presentation what can be transported together with other things, what can't be transported together with other things, what aircraft they can go on, passenger aircraft or cargo-only aircraft. So there are very many different variables. Um, so we're always available if a booking platform wants to come and, and seek our guidance. Um, you know, we, we have a number of regulation or not regulation, the number of publications that we um, that we produce that actually contain the various regulatory authority guidelines, lines, etc. But sometimes
sometimes the technology, the pace of technology advancement can exceed sometimes the knowledge of those who are using that technology. Just like you mentioned about how it is a responsibility of the booking platform as a, as a business to have to comply and make educate the shipper who might not really know the entire intricacies of what the compliance is. It, the booking platform has to ensure that either it automates about the compliance and several ways to may simplify it. Uh, uh, that, that's a great uh, one suggestion and also a, a point to note for, for all the booking platforms across. To move on to the carrier communication, IATA has, has invested a, a lot of time in this and we're seeing that there are a lot of initiatives on ocean freight between customs organizations to standardize the communication that happens between the same stakeholder ecosystem. Now, while we have neutral blockchain applications as one use case, but if the underlying message like the SWIFT code that banks use to, to communicate with each other, what's your take in terms of which are those stakeholders in the ecosystem which would need to be prioritizing creation of this standardized messaging system where do you think they have reached and and from whether we look at customs as one one sub body uh, or or shipping lines and and, and so on uh, what's what's your take on this um, well i would say and i think i have to give a compliment to the uh, international organizations such as customs in the last few years they've certainly increased their their outreach to industry they very much welcome uh, industry participation in various development projects that they're working on they very much welcome industry feedback about their programs that they are actually implementing um, one such area is what we're calling advanced cargo information uh, ACI um, where it's you know the model that has was first introduced it's the American uh, adaptive for ACAS uh, advanced cargo uh, uh, their cargo advanced screening um, is very much built upon the WCO safe framework of standards, which is a certain number of data elements um, when presented in advance of the freight being tendered, provides the customs authorities to do a very fundamental and rudimentary check about safety and security of borders. Now, they asked feedback from industry. We said this works. It's something that we can actually uh, work very efficiently to provide that information. And we encourage the various customs organizations around the world when they look at similar programs to try and adopt similar requirements, i.e. if one country wants to have 15 data elements, another wants to have 12, and another wants to have 22, it then becomes impossible to manage and very costly to actually implement. So we've seen a lot of very effective uh, engagement with customs organizations. Um, we have common objectives, and this is also which is uh, very reassuring to see. The customs organizations and all those involved in the supply chain and logistics all want fast and effective and safe and secure borders. We want to facilitate trade whilst protecting supply chain participants and the borders of a sovereign state. So I think when you have common objectives and an openness to share ideas and exchange best practices, um, it actually bodes very well going, uh, going forward. And um, the area of e-commerce is another area where you know the World Customs Organization identified that they needed to come up with some guidelines that they could circulate to all of their member uh, customs authorities around the world. So they asked trade and industry to work with them on developing some guidelines, um, which they then can actually circulate, because there's nothing worse when you order something online 
and you expect to receive it in, in 48 hours or 24 hours or 72 hours and it's held three weeks at customs because they were missing one little piece of information. So, you know, I think as the, as we said earlier, as the pace of expectation is enhancing and increasing, the role of customs is becoming more and more important to make sure the flow of freight can actually be, um, be facilitated whilst making sure that the uh, effective screening processes are in place to protect borders. Right. So I'm assuming that there is no certain timeline uh, there are targets but there is no certain timeline that we can assume from from the customs body's standpoint for execution of this uh, would that be fair to to not have an assume, assume timeline or, or or should we assume that the target dates which are announced by some countries for adoption would be fair and should we should we should have plans according to that I think when a country comes out and says they look to introduce certain efficiency measures by X date, we as industry very much like to hold them to that and work with them to make sure that that can be uh, delivered. Another area which is very, very important is uh, related to the World Trade Organization's TFA, Trade Facilitation Agreement, because components of that Trade Facilitation Agreement actually mandate paperless borders and effective and efficient borders. So, you know, we're a strong advocate to say that the all of the uh, world that has actually ratified the WTO Trade Facilitation Agreement, which came into force February of 2017, um, we would urge and we do urge them to implement as quickly as possible because it does bring a lot of efficiencies for the border management process. That's good to know and we as stakeholders of the ecosystem always wish the best and, and looking forward to be staying involved. To move forward in terms of IATA's role, is there a role that IATA has to help startups which are trying to disrupt different verticals of uh, of logistics overall? If not, uh, do you foresee something improving like a startup cell and and or do you foresee that it's not required and the general guidelines is good enough? What's your take? Uh, first of all, I have to be honest, I, I don't like to use the word disrupt um, <laughs> because I think it has a negative connotation because I think, you know, my children were disruptive and I know what that meant. That meant that we could never have things at dinner time. So I use, I much prefer to use the word innovate um, and to actually expand and effectively push the boundaries and I think that way you get a much more positive embracing of startup organizations because if people want to come into this or this industry with a creative solution for what was previously a problem, the whole industry embraces that. But when they put a name to it, which is as we're going to disrupt things, people stand back and say, well, I feel negative towards that. So I think it's a much more positive scenario that this industry requires innovation. The carriers are innovating, the freight forwarders are innovating, the ground handlers are innovating, technology companies are innovating. So we would certainly encourage any startups, any entrepreneurs out there to look at the logistics industry. Bearing in mind, the air cargo logistics transports 35% of global trade by value, which means nearly $6 trillion worth of goods flies by air every year. It's critical for the global supply chain, it's critical, critical for the global economy, and it's critical for us as consumers. So if technology startups and if enterprise initiatives start up to say, well, let's look at some challenges the industry has and come up with some solutions, we would certainly like to, to help and encourage that as a whole industry. One thing we're doing specifically as IATA is we hold innovation forums 
uh, we hold our, our big event, the World Cargo Symposium, in March of every year. Next year it's going to be in Singapore, middle of March, around 13 to 15. Uh, sorry for that commercial plug. Um, and one of the things that features heavily in all of our events is innovation and um, creativity and, and um, new ideas. And in fact, next year we will be holding our third edition of what we call the Innovation Awards where we're inviting now, and if I may through this podcast as well, invite any organization out there that is actually developed or developing what they think is a creative new solution or new idea that will help improve the air cargo supply chain, then we would urge you to go on our website, find the application process, submit your idea. We then have an independent jury which goes through the applications. We had nearly 50 applications for the last edition two years ago. We then select three three finalists that we fly then to the World Symposium in Singapore. There's 1,200 people attend that event. And they present, the three finalists presents to the crowd. The audience then votes on the one that they think is the most um, inspirational, innovative, greatest potential for change. And then we award them a first prize of $20,000, uh, a trophy, and of course they got global exposure through, through the event. So we're doing our little bit. Um, and, uh, and I'm very encouraged by how many different initiatives airlines are engaged in to try and support and identify and nurture those innovative startups. Uh, and because that's where a lot of the great creative energy is flowing through. Well, great. Uh, thanks. And uh, that's uh, incredible to know about that initiative. I'm sure a lot of uh, listeners of Cargoholic would want to apply. To know, uh, to go deeper in this, uh, there are these once a year, once in two years sort of uh, forums, whether it is uh, innovation uh, forums or whether it's innovation awards, uh, is there something on an ongoing basis that IATA is planning which deals primarily with technology innovations to to help young startups? Is that something on the pipeline? Do you foresee a need for that? Absolutely. In fact, another new initiative that we held uh, in September, just a couple of months ago, here in Geneva, is we held the first cargo hackathon. Um, which was spectacular. We invited, um, it was it was actually incredible. I mean, the energy in this room, it was over a weekend before our digital cargo conference. And we invited students, we invited individuals, we invited tech companies, we invited effectively anybody. They could come as a group, as a team, or they could come as individuals and create teams here from people that they've just met. And we, we had developed some industry APIs and we had um, made available a, a number of different sources and um, these teams, there was probably about six or eight teams, um, then got together over the course of a weekend and basically just created some really cool stuff. Um, and then on the last day they presented, they had five minutes to present their ideas um, and it was phenomenal what what these guys could actually create in a 48 hour period. Um, the one that won the Cargo Award was a group of, of guys, some of whom hadn't met each other before and over 48 hours they created a voice interactive tracking and tracing solution so you could ring up and um, just talking to a, um, uh, as it were, a, a voice activated computer system um, that could actually identify and identify, sorry, and, and communicate to you where your cargo is and proactively advise if there are any issues related to that. So, you know, it's, it's, quite, um, it's quite phenomenal what people can do when they actually have a creative environment. And we very much see that we're going to be holding a, a, a cargo hackathon as, uh, every year as part of our digital cargo conference as a way of trying to, again, foster this innovation. 
Sure, sure. Uh, good to know. Uh, we would love to uh, see what sort of ideas and implementations uh, came out of that. Would be great to know. Now, from the startup's perspective, it's an ocean in terms of the number of initiatives or number of challenges that need solutions, whether it is tracking, whether it is document standardization, whether it's creation of documents, analytics, the requests for court uh, digitizing, and of course, as we go offline, a few hundred other challenges. From your perspective, since you have experienced a lot of ideas which are coming up and being attempted, which are those large challenges, high impact challenges that you would suggest startups to focus on solving first in comparison to all the others, which would na be natural trade-offs and natural, let's say, value adds in the future once the core is set up? Wh which challenges should be high impact, high priority? Um, you probably won't like this answer, but I'm going to say absolutely everything that you mentioned. <laughs> I, think, I think the industry is a situation right now where if somebody was to say where is the biggest pain point, I would say from the start to the finish. You know, this industry is incredibly um, agile, it's incredibly innovative, and I think it, it also knows that it needs to look at the entire process from the very beginning to the end. So it's about how we communicate upfront with the customer. So booking platforms, etc. the transform, sorry, the transparency of information. Yes, indeed, tracking and tracing, warehousing systems, even the claims process, the invoicing process, certainly the data communication with, it, with each other, the data communication with regulatory authorities, um, the ability for cargo to communicate proactively when it has a problem with itself, i.e. when it's getting too hot and needs to go into a call facility. Um, literally everything and I think that's what's fascinating and that's why there is so much space in here even and we haven't even talked about drones but there is the need for as well for unmanned vehicles unmanned aerial systems um, even even looking at um, unmanned road transport you know, if you look at the shortage of truck drivers throughout the world tells us the amount of freight that's going to be moving around the world we need to find different solutions for road-based transport lighter-than-air vehicles, so you've got hybrid airships. Certainly, as I say, you've got the small payload for drones for maybe mountainous delivery systems, but the mid-range payload to sourcing and supplying um, outlying mining villages in the Arctic or things in the Brazilian rainforest or oil rigs. You know, you've got a lot of high-cost supply chain today when you're using helicopters and a lot of other quite high-costly um, ground-based systems and if you can use unmanned systems to actually reduce the cost and increase the, um, the efficiency then it makes the air cargo product even more cost effective so I think this is a great time for startups as well I think they can actually look at the industry find what their core area of expertise is and go after what their core expertise is and bring something cool and different I think you summarized in less than 100 seconds close to $3 trillion of opportunities. That, that is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so Something I'm sure uh, one of the, the responses that we will get to, to this episode will be, will be phenomenal in terms of some execution that you probably inspired. And one thing that all of them, regardless of what they're trying, right? Whether, like you mentioned, it's unmanned vehicles or whether it is a booking platform. Uh, whether it's invoice reconciliation or quicker payments, no matter which challenge, there is a fairly large challenge related to behavior change that all these enterprises are going to experience in the logistics sector. 
behavior change is something that Ayata, I'm sure, has become a master of over the last few decades because bureaucracy is what would truly impact speed for Ayata's plans, right? Would what sort of your or your personal, let's say, learning of behavior changes have you experienced, and what sort of learning can you share on how do startups incentivize? or make behavior change happen faster in a B2B environment in the logistics sector? Right, well I think, again, a very good question. Historically, I mean, I've been in this industry a long time, and I think that the, the one of the core successes of the air cargo industry is it is a small community. It's an ecosystem of individuals and of partners and of um, whether or not it's a technology partner, transport provider, or ground-based provider. It's a relatively small ecosystem providing very complex solutions. One of the things that historically, when we've introduced, we being the industry, have introduced new systems and new solutions, people wanted to get into the details. Well, how does it do this? Why does it do this? What is happening when this happens, etc. And I think one of the changes which we need to embrace going forward is we, is we need to probably rely much more on the experts to deliver the how and the why, sorry, the how and connect the dots, but we need to focus on the why. And the why is what the, consu- the consumers of this industry want, what the shippers want and what the consumers want. And we need to focus much more on saying if they want a solution, I as a solution provider will f- could f- or as a service provider can find somebody that can develop the solution and I should just actually go for the best solution available today to provide a solution for today's problem. Historically, we've said, well, there may be a better one tomorrow, so let me wait till tomorrow. And then when tomorrow comes, well, maybe there's a better one even the day after this. And we kind of get caught in that loop of never knowing of what ship to jump on or what train to catch or we forget the analogies, you know, what technology or what solution to embrace because my concern is something better comes around the corner. Whereas I think now what we need to embrace the mind change difference today is if you have a problem today, you need to find a solution today. If you wait till tomorrow, that problem is gonna go to somebody else to solve. So I think that is something that's definitely strike me is that the need to embrace these, these solutions uh, is accelerating all the time. And one of the things which I'm really heartened with, which is the fact that the next generation of, of leaders coming into this industry have technology embedded in their um, thinking process because they grew up with technology. My generation kind of was introduced to technology. So it was technology replacing things that we did before technology existed. Whereas today's generation of workforce Technology has existed throughout their whole life, so technology is not replacing things they did manually. Technology is enhancing what they do. And because they then have a much greater reliance and much greater trust on that technology, they're far quicker and far more ready to embrace those new solutions as they come on stream. So I think as you see the industry dynamics changing with new professionals coming in, you'll see the embracing of these new solutions actually accelerating as well. Well, beautifully put that... uh this this one question which universally solves a lot of challenges which is the why question right which most enterprises traditional enterprises are asked by consultants by by all the thought leaders to want to question their mission with the why finally to to arrive at your suggestions to young professionals in the logistics industry what sort of suggestions do you have for the uh, community which is just starting out in this beautiful sector Lovely question, because I think that is one of the most important things that, that we have on our on our agenda today as an industry, which is attracting in 
sell the, the next generation on what a great industry this is, and it is a great industry. It's not about just moving boxes from here to there. It's about changing people's lives. It's about saving lives. It's about shipping pharmaceutical products around the world in temperature-controlled supply chains that protect children. 2.3 million children's lives are saved every year through vaccination programs. Those vaccines get transported by air in a controlled environment. It's about making sure that the humanitarian relief that is required when there's times of natural disaster can actually be there first and foremost with the first responders. That's what Air Cargo is doing. So that's on the very humanitarian side, but then there's on the very social side. It's about allowing the Formula One international racing um, program to actually operate, moving all those teams and all those cars and all that equipment from one part of the globe to another part of the globe in a week and setting up an entire you know track full of equipment is because of air cargo you know you have a fleet of 747s ready to transport these things as soon as a race finishes it's about moving the flowers so that the farms of, of of kenya for example can end up producing the most beautiful flowers naturally and then we can be delivering those to our wives and girlfriends husbands whatever it is in in europe in anywhere in the world through air cargo it's about making sure that the latest technology gadgets which my kids love they have to get the latest iphone sorry i shouldn't say iphone the latest smartphone as soon as it's released they need it within within 72 hours apparently else their, their friends will no longer speak to them so air cargo is transporting all these smartphones and all these electrical gadgets around the world so it's improving our lives it's certainly making fresh fruits and vegetables that have grown naturally in one part of the world available to other parts of the world so as cities become larger they rely more on on air freighting in the fresh products that they're actually used to so to me if we can get that story out to the next generation we sell them on the impact that they can actually create to the global society then we tell them we need them we need them to come in with their fresh ideas we need them to come in and challenge historical norms and practices we need them to come in and be creative and the more creative they are the bigger impact they can have and I think once we get that message out to the next generation of young professionals, that's when we're seeing them flood in. And we are already very pleased to see them coming in. We also have another program as IATA that we hold at our World Cargo Symposium again every two years. We hold the symposium every year. And one year we hold the Innovation Awards I mentioned earlier. And the next year we hold what we call the Face Up Program, Future Air Cargo Executive University Program when we invite young people who've done a supply chain or logistics or aviation degree or masters or phd to present their material again to an outside jury we'll select three finalists they come and then they present to the audience themselves their ideas and then the audience again selects the one that they feel most inspiring we, we like to recognize and reward leaders and, and innovators and winners um, and again it just creates a very positive image for the industry so i'm very encouraged to see that the number of young professionals coming in and, and long may it continue and what's really good as well is that the gender balance it's we're, we're attracting as many young women as we are young men into the industry um, which again historically people have looked at the air cargo sector and said it's pretty much male dominated but there's a there's a big place for for all genders there's a big place for all people from from all backgrounds all societies in air cargo it's a global industry Yes, uh, beautifully put. Again, it's uh, lovely to hear those uh, those great words, words that we believe in being a part of this beautiful industry. And hopefully all of us uh, cumulatively have a larger impact and make the younger crowd uh, experience 
uh, this industry uh, as as they get out of college uh glen it's it's been our pleasure a big thank you for the for your time and for the lovely conversation a, a beautiful number of dots have connected for for all of us and i'm sure listeners of cargoholic will have a lovely time shaping and and refining their strategies to to make a global impact thank you so much well thank you very much for giving me this opportunity it's been wonderful talking to you thank you for tuning in to cargoholic we look forward to your suggestions on our social platforms and on cargoholic at the ravamashik.com any suggestions or feedbacks related to the guests we should invite or the type of content we should speak about are more than welcome and we look forward to connecting with you all offline and stay tuned on the next episode of cargoholic which we will announce very soon and a big thank you again for tuning in